We're in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the very word of God. Let us pray, our God and our Father, we are grateful today for this opportunity once again to come and to share your holy word. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And the people of God said, Amen. Well, friends, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, come and let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Let me rush to express my sincere gratitude today to my new friend and brother, your pastor, Pastor Ben Jansen, and for his invitation to come today and to share uh, the word of God with the Crosstown Church. For me, it is literally on the other side of town. (laughs) Amen. Amen. As I pastor a church, have you heard, in Spencer, Oklahoma. That's, that's in the country part of Oklahoma. I want to publicly thank him for his trust and his act of faith, by the way, especially since Ben and his lovely wife, Mindy, have been over to our place, and they know that this chocolate preacher can get a little loud. Amen. I'll do my best to refrain myself, to restrain myself, 
uh, today. Normally, friends, uh, say in my church on a Sunday morning, I usually enter the church and I say something like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. But if I'm going to keep it 100 with you today, that simply means keeping it real. I got to tell you, friends, that I have to say I was a little anxious when they said unto me, let us go <laughs> over to Crosstown. Somebody ought to help me here. For I knew that I would be coming to a place where you may not be familiar with the black preaching experience or its tradition. So let's have a quick lesson. Shall we? Amen. In the African-American tradition, the pulpit and pew usually engage in what we call a dialogue. Amen. We call it in our culture a call and response. All right, y'all getting ready now. All right. Amen. This tradition is deeply rooted in our heritage. Where in the South, as we worked in the cotton fields, one group would sing a song, a, a, a line of a song to those who were working in the cotton fields on the other side. <laughs> and they would holler back and finish the song. Friends, this group was singing a song uh, to each other, knowing that their faith was uh, in the God who would ultimately deliver them. Amen. This carried over into our churches. And so when you hear amen, and thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord in our tradition. Don't, don't settle for the, for the unfair characterizations of TV and movies. Friends, I need you to understand that when we say that, that's coming from a place where our emotions have been stirred because we remember how God has brought us from a mighty long way. Those those emotions that we share in our tradition simply remind us of how grateful and thankful we are that God has delivered us. Here, here watch this, friend. Here's what it kind of looks like on a Sunday morning in my church. When I say something they agree with, they usually say amen. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. And if I say something that... They agree with, but they find a little challenging, a little hard word, so to speak. Then they just say, have mercy. <laughs> have mercy, have mercy. And, and then every now and then, I will say something that makes them think that I have just completely lost my mind. And, and then they will just say, Lord, help him, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. We, I, I, think, I think we ought to practice that. Can we practice that? Amen. You'll be my amen crowd. So when I say something that you agree with, y'all all say amen. When I say something a little challenging here, a little a hard saying, so y'all will say what? Have mercy. And if I say something like I'm just going to preach for the next three hours, y'all say, Lord, help him, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. When now knowing that we might, this might be uh, your first rodeo, and it might make you a little uncomfortable. I brought a few reinforcements here today, <laughs> amen, that will help us keep the tradition alive. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, we're going to look at the text this morning. I'm going to get to it. They got a clock on me. I'm not used to that either. 
Amen. But now y'all can help me. Y'all can help me if I if I get some amens and some praise the Lord and some hallelujahs. I'll know that you're following me and I'll just go faster. Now, if you just sit there quiet and look at me, I'm going to assume you don't know what I'm talking about, and it's going to be my work to make sure you get it. All right, so would you help us? Amen. Amen. I, I love him already. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so now, friends, when we look at this text that Mindy has come and read to us this morning, amen, I want us, I want us, I want to label the text, Pastor Ben, has already stated, I want to label the text, when the brook dries up. Uh, can you look at your neighbor and just say, when the brook dries up. And, and, and I want to start, I want to start by exposing my hand. I want to lay my cards uh, on the table, if that's all right with you. I, I want to let you know where it is that I'm going. I want to try uh, and answer two questions that I believe the text is asking of us. Is that all right with you? Amen. Amen. I want to I I answer these two questions as we consider this text, and those questions are, why do brooks dry up? So that's question number one. Why do brooks dry up? And question number two that I want to answer today before our time is finished here is, what are we to do? When the brook dries up. Does that make sense for you today? Lest anyone in this group today, under the sound of my voice, think that uh, you, uh, this will never happen to you. Your brook will never dry out. Let let's somebody uh, in the audience today think that this don't apply to me because I always got my flow on. Well, let me, let me talk to you just for a minute. I, I have discovered uh, in the 66 years that I have been living, I know I don't look 66, but, but watch this, but in the 66 years that I have been living, I have discovered, friends, that at some point in all of our lives, our brook is going to dry up. Uh, watch this. If you, if, you, if you don't believe it here, we, we don't have to go far. Let's just look back to March of 2020. I believe everyone on this planet found themselves locked down as a result of COVID-19. Uh, watch this. Very, with, with very little time to prepare, we were all cut off. Am I right about it? Yes, beloved, brooks dry up, not only for chocolate people, but for vanilla people like you. Watch this. Not only do brooks dry up for rich people, but brooks dry up for poor people. Not, 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 not only do brooks, I, I wish I had some help in here, not only do brooks dry up for the up and coming, but brooks will dry up for the marginalized. You see, everything in life at best it's temporary. Uh, there it is. And, and, and if it hasn't happened to you, to you yet, in the words of the old folk in the neighborhood that I grew up in, can I tell you something? Just keep on living. Just keep on living at some point in all of our lives. Our brooks are going to dry up. Yes, friends, you will find that the reservoir of your life will become empty. The floodgates will close 
and drought will come in to all of our lives. If you still don't believe me, let me see if I can make my case. Jobs will be lost. Careers will be shortened. Health will fail. Relationships will explode. Marriages will implode. There's going to be a loss of a loved one in all of our lives at one time or another. By the way, I have a younger brother right now who's been in ICU for over a month. Life has a way of letting us all know that you ain't going to always be up. There's some up and down in what all of our lives, every now and then. Even the child that you've given your best to will become disrespectful. I'm just trying to say, friends, that brooks dry up. Friends, watch this. Sometimes it's just the busyness of life that can suck us dry. Sometimes, friends, it's the cares of this world that can cause our souls to feel parched. So much so that we find ourselves coming to church, perhaps, Sunday after Sunday. And it feels like we find ourselves in what, what the prophet called a valley of what dry bones. It seems that we just seem to be going through the motion sometimes. Our prayers become repetitious. Our praise become routine. And then we leave the service feeling empty, wondering, uh, uh, is God even listening anymore in our lives? Do I have somebody know what I'm talking about? I wonder if I have anybody here today who will tell the truth and shame the devil and say to the preacher that I know what you're talking about. I've been there, done that, got t-shirt and hat. Come on now, is there anybody here? Who knows what it feels like to have your flow turn to a drip and your drip then turn to a drop. I wish I had somebody know what I'm talking about. Is there anybody here who understands that when your, when your drip turns to a drop and then your drop turns to what? A spigot that has been shut off. Friends, your brook then has dried up. Well, I got some good news for you. Aren't you glad for good news? Here's the good news. We have a God that is able to refresh us. In fact, a God who invites us, amen, to drink of the fountain that never runs dry. I hear Jesus say in John chapter 7, beginning at verse 38, he says something like this, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Let me give you my sermon in a sentence here. That therefore, if you don't hear, or hear anything else I say, if you don't get anything else out of what I come to say today, get this. And I'll feel like I've accomplished my mission. Here it is. I want you to understand that God doesn't stop being God because you find yourself in a dry situation. Can I get an amen over that? What about over here? God, I'm going to say it one more time. 
I don't care if you remember nothing else I say today. Get this. The God we serve does not stop being God because we find ourselves in a dry situation. I said there are two questions of the text that we want to ask and answer, and we'll be done. The text says in verse number seven that after a while, the brook dried up. And the text is pretty clear what the reason was. Am I right about it? It's in your Bible if you ain't closed it. It's in your Bible if you hadn't torn out the page. The text says, and the brook, after a while, turned what? It dried up. And here's what the Bible says. It dried up, my brothers and, and, and sisters. We don't have to guess about it. We, it dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, that causes us to have to ponder, ask the question, what's, why, why isn't there any rain? Well, if you study the Bible and know that, that you, when, you, when you study the Bible, when you preach the Bible, when you teach the Bible, you have to keep things in context. Amen, amen. You don't want to read into a scripture, amen. Uh, no, 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 no. You, you want to read between the lines, but don't say nothing it ain't saying. It says clearly that this particular drought is a result of the fact is that there had been no rain in the land. Well, here's the problem. Elijah, it says, the prophet uh, arises on the scene, and the book says, watch this, that Elijah, the most popular prophet of the Old Testament. Amen. He goes to Ahab, who is king of Israel, of whom the Bible says in chapter 16, verse 30, it says this about Ahab. Ahab was the son of Omri. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all before him, who thought it was a trivial thing to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. Am I right about it? Not only that, he married Jezebel. Amen. From Sidon, who worshipped Baal. Now, I don't know if y'all know anything about Jezebel, but in the black experience, when, when, when black folk are having kids and looking for names for a daughter, ain't nobody. Can I say that one more time? Ain't nobody trying to name their daughter Jezebel. Because Jezebel, the name Jezebel, uh, 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 carries with it the idea of a person who has a spirit unlike the Lord. But Ahab has married this pagan woman, and this woman has, what, married up with Ahab and now calls Ahab to build altars unto the God of Baal. Are you listening to me here? Well, how many of y'all know that our God is a jealous God? How many in here know that our God is a God who has said to us, Thou shall have no other gods before me? Am I, am I, am I in the house today? Hey, you're, I'm in your Bible. Our God says very clearly that thou shalt worship me and me only. So God is not going to have any rival. God is not going to have any competition. God ain't putting up with that stuff. And this kind of behavior provokes God. And so when we get to 
chapter 17, verse 1, just out of the sky. We don't know where Elijah comes from. He drops into the what? Biblical narrative. We're not told what, where he was born, who his parents were. Not like other characters in the Bible. You know, other characters in the Bible say, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so. We know where David starts as a shepherd's boy. Don't we know that? But Elijah, we know nothing about him. When we meet Elijah, he's full grown. When we meet Elijah, he's already a chief prophet. What a very powerful message. Because of the sins of Israel, Elijah comes. Are you with me here? He comes to Ahab. And he says to Ahab, look at it one more time. Still got your Bible open. He comes to Ahab and he says to Ahab, Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I would stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Can you believe this bold preacher? This preacher comes pre delivering what? A very powerful message. It's a short sermon. You would love Ahab. I mean, you would love Elijah. It's a short sermon. As the Lord lives, there shall not be rain. Now, that don't make Ahab feel good, however. Because Ahab said, what are you talking about? Can I just talk for Ahab for a second? What are you talking about? He's now worshiping Baal. Baal is a fertility god. Baal is the god of storm. Baal is supposed to be the god that can bring some rain. But how many know that your god is better than Ahab's god? If our god stops the rain, Baal can't start the rain. Ain't nothing happening without, I wish I had a friend church in here. Our God is able, the Bible says, to do exceeding abundantly above all we have. If God says yes, nobody else can say no. If he says no, nobody else can say yes. And so Ahab just shows up and says to him, no rain. I'm getting, I'm getting too loud in here, ain't I? I'm thinking I'm at true vine. I don't want to scare y'all. Why? He, he said, ain't going to be no rain. Amen. Until what? Until I, I like this, accept by my word. Are you listening to me here? And so, friends, what happens is there is no rain because of the idolatry and the practice of Ahab who's leading the nation into idol worship. Now, Ahab isn't feeling good about this. And God knows that Ahab is not going to respond positively. So he hides Elijah. Am I right about it? And so while we know, can I just move for a second? While we know why there's no rain in this context, can I get you to just work with me just for a little bit as I talk about why there might be no rain in our life? First of all, let me deal with this possibility that dryness and brooks drying up in our lives could be for this reason only. God doesn't like to be taken for granted. The text indicates, watch this, friends, the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the brook Sherith, which means cut off, which is east of the Jordan. You shall what? Drink 
from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens there to feed you. So he went and did as the Lord said. He went and lived at the brook Sherod east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him what bread and meat in the morning. In other words, the ravens became a, 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 a grub hub. Grub, y'all know what I'm talking about. Watch this. The, the raven became waiters and waitresses, amen, to Elijah at the brook. Every day when he got up in the morning, that was bread and meat. That's a sandwich in my culture. And then some water. At, at noon, that was what? Bread and meat. That's another sandwich. Amen. And at night, that was bread and water. And this goes on for a long period of time. I wish I had somebody listening to me here. What I'm trying to tell you, he got used to. To God meeting his need. And if Elijah was anything like us, there's a tendency in us. When we wake up in the morning, there's bread and there's meat. When we arrive at dinner, there's bread and meat. And the next day is the same. If you're not careful, you can begin to think that you are responsible for your own substance. You can begin to take for granted. I wish I had somebody helping me in here. You can take for granted what the Lord is doing in your life. And so sometimes, friends, droughts come because we have gotten to the point where we take God for granted, and the brook drying up will force us to acknowledge that it is God who has provided for us in the first place. We need to be reminded that just because our brooks are overflowing today don't mean they will be overflowing tomorrow. Yes, God is good and God does love me, but sometimes I need to be reminded that he doesn't have to wake me up every morning. Sometimes I need to be reminded that he does not have to give me the activity of my limbs. Sometimes I need to be reminded that it is God who sends the sun every day, but he doesn't have to. Sometimes I need to be reminded that it is God who allows me to breathe in and out. Amen. It's God who gives me a job. It's God who gives me friends. It's God who gives me a family. It's God who put me in a family of faith where we would support one another. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, sometimes, friends, we need to be reminded of the brook drying up forces us to get back to where we started. Sometimes blessings have a way of causing us to leave God instead of what drawing us to God. I, I, I know that's right. I know that's right. When, when, I, when I was growing up uh, 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 raised by a mother in a single parent home and my mother was working in folks' houses. We had no car, no dad in the house and we were raised on food stamps and welfare. Y'all don't, don't hear me right here. Uh, I was raised like that, me and my siblings, that, that's all we had. And you know, sometimes, because now, look at me now, now, look at me now, I, look at me now. I mean, I, I, I got a house, I got a couple of cars, I, I ride a motorcycle, I, I eat whatever I want when I want to eat it. And if I'm not careful, sometimes you can forget 
that life hasn't always been that way for you. It is by the grace of God that you have what you have. And don't forget that the same God who gave it to you is the same God who can take it away. And so sometimes the brook dries up, friends, because we have forgotten or taken God for granted. Our brooks run dry to help us, what, get back to the place that we depend on God, right? Watch this. For many of us, watch this, if, if we're careful, for many of us, we are depending on our own ability. We are trusting the, next, the networks we are part of. The young folks say, you got the hookup. But I need to tell you here, friends, that the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3 and 5, we ought to trust in the Lord. With all of our hearts and lean not to his what? Own understanding in all of our ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. God wants us to depend on him as our source. And friends, can I go one step further? We've got to get to the place in our lives where we want God more than what God gives. Some of us just want healing, but we don't want the healer. Some of us want deliverance, but we don't want the deliverer. I'm trying to tell you, friends, we've got to get to the place where we fall in love with God just because of who he is. Now, I love it that he does things for me. Don't you love it? But the truth of the matter, if he never did one more thing in your life, do I have anybody who can testify he done enough? God is good all the time. He's good when I got plenty. He's good when I'm broke. God is good. And the truth of the matter is, I'd rather have God more than silver and gold. I'd rather have God more than anything. Because God will stand with you. God will strengthen you. God will stabilize you. God will provide for you. Only God can love you. Only God can forgive you. I'm just trying to tell you, don't get quiet on God. God wants us to depend on him as our source. And if he determines or sees in us, an attitude that no longer feels like we need him. If he sees in us where we have put somebody else in his place, God will remove. You, you, you don't believe I know what I'm talking about? I'm in Bible country. The Bible says it was in the year that King Uzziah died. That the prophet Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. That is to say, that prior to Uzziah dying, watch this now, Isaiah had Uzziah in the place of God. 
Friends, don't you ever. I don't care how much you love your wife. I don't care how much you love your children. I don't care how much you love your church. Don't ever put anybody in the place of God lest you find that your brook will dry up. Sometimes that's the reason, friends, that our brooks dry up. Sometimes it's because we have gone after idols like Ahab. Sometimes we've forgotten that God is our source. Sometimes it's because we've put somebody else in God's place. And so God allows the brook to dry up. To remind us that we need him now more than we ever did. But then that brings to mind the second question. Sometimes that's why brooks dry up. But here's the next question I want to ask and answer in the few minutes that I have left. Now I got his permission, but I don't know if he speak for y'all. Watch this. Sometimes, what do we do when the brooks dry up? First of all, I want to tell you, friends, don't panic. Look at your neighbor and say, don't panic. I've already told you, you're going to go home with this. God is still God. Even when we find ourselves in what? Dry places. So no matter how the tables have turned, no matter how difficult it might be now, your flow has come to a drip, your drip to a drop. God is still God. Don't panic. Somebody say, don't panic. I'm trying to tell you, friends, that you are not the only one now or ever will be that will lose a job. You're not the only one that will find themselves in an employment line, but don't panic. God is able to give you another job. Just like he gave you what? That job. Don't, don't panic, friends. Some of us have, have, have seen our homes destroyed by divorce and by drugs and alcohol. And I say to you, it is because of that many have panicked. I'm telling you, friends, don't panic. Just think what would have happened if Moses had panicked. The children of Israel would still be tending flesh pots in Egypt if Joshua had panicked. He would have never walked around the walls of Jericho if Caleb had panicked. He would never have said, let us go up and possess this mountain. If David had panicked, he would have never fought Goliath. If Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had panicked, they would have never walked around in the fiery furnace. If Daniel had panicked, he would never have seen the mouth of the lines shut up. If Paul and Silas had panicked, they would have never experienced the earthquake that shook open the prison bars. If Jesus had panicked, he would have never said, Father, into thy hands 
I commend my spirit. I mean, after all, we only talking about water. Look at your neighbor and say, after all, we only talking about, somebody say, water. And I don't know about you, but for me, God has already shown me that he owns the water department. Oh, yes. God is in charge of the water department. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, watch this. Well, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that it was God who split the Red Sea? When what? When, when, the, when the people of God needed to escape the Egyptians? God is in charge of the water department. He made the water stand up on both sides. And the Bible said that the people of Israel went through what? On dry land. I can tell some of you don't believe and know what I'm talking about. I said God is in charge of the water department. Not only at the Red Sea, but he showed he was in charge of the water department when he showed up one day at a wedding. I wish I had somebody know what I'm talking about. In Canaan, when they ran out of wine, wouldn't you know it? Jesus walks up and takes what? Water and turns it into wine. I believe if you asked the man at the pool of Bethesda, he would agree Jesus is in charge of the water department. Here he was, had been sick for 38 years, lying at a pool. One day, Jesus showed up. He said, what are you doing? Do you want to be made well? You know the excuse he gave. Well, I'm waiting for the stirring of the water. I can hear Jesus looking at him talking about, what are you waiting for the stirring of the water? I'm in charge of the what? Water department. You still don't believe me when I tell you he's in charge of what? The water department. One day the disciples found themselves uh, 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 on the Galilee and the wind and the waves arose and they were afraid. They looked out and they saw what looked like a ghost coming toward them. It was Jesus walking. Do I have somebody here know what I'm talking about? Walking on the water. I said all of that just simply to say this, friends, that when you find yourself in a dry place, come unto him and drink of him and know that God is able to refresh your soul. Know that God is able to put inside of us something that will become a well. That will never run dry. Don't panic. Watch this, friends. Don't panic. Because just like he provided through dirty birds, that's what ravens were, just like he provided at the brook morning, day, and night, when the brook runs dry. He's able to provide for you another way. I love that about him. God got so much that he's working with. The young folk growing up today, they always, they like to dance and all this stuff. They got this thing, now I don't know how to do it and all of that, but I see them online, you know. And, and a white house and they'll say, show me what you're working with. Are y'all familiar with that? 
Sometimes the young folks say, come on, show me what you're working with. Well, watch this, friends. God is showing Elijah what he's working with. Yes, the brook, the riverbed, the wadi, if you will. It is what? The cutoff. That's what it means. It's been cut off. But watch this. I got a woman. I'm trying to show you something, your friends. I got a woman. I have a widow. I need you to go down to Zarephath. And there I have provided a widow who will do what? Watch this, friends. The, friends, the text is clear. I'm almost home now. Y'all pray with me now. The word says, look here. Go down there. And I have a woman there who will feed you. So just like God miraculously fed uh, Elijah with ravens, now God is going to send, watch this now, Elijah to the hometown of Jezebel. You would think that's the last place he want to go. Sends him back to the hometown of Jezebel. In other words, God said, look at I'm so bad. I'm so tough. I'm so awesome. I'm going to set up camp in their camp, and they can't stop me. I prepared a, a widow there. There you go. I like him. You can come to True Vine anytime. I'm going to show y'all that I am the source. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. I, watch this. You're talking about miraculous through the ravens? He sends him to a widow, the poorest of the nation, the most marginalized of the nation, a widow who, by her own admission, ain't got nothing but a handful of flour and a little oil. And she says, look, me and my son Gonna wait, gonna make one more pancake. We're gonna eat it and die. And the prophet says, before you do that, first, I'm trying to help somebody here. When you are in a place where your brook has dried up, you're gonna have to learn again what you possibly have forgotten, and that is learn to put God first. He said, before you do that, first, make me a cake. Do you see it? He's the God who can what provide for you, even in a dry spot. This woman's ready to die. Her and the boy going to eat this thing and leave and get on out of here. But she obeys the preacher. Isn't that something? What would our world be like today if people like you at Crosstown today, people like the ones at our church at True Vine, what would this world be like if we start coming to church and listening to the preacher and doing what he said? Can I get an amen in here? She listens to the preacher, and she gets a blessing. Y'all know the opposite is true, right? When you don't listen to what thus says the Lord, you find yourself in dry places. 
So watch this. She makes him a cake. He said, bring me some water. Make it, get him a nice cake there. He eats it. And then he says, now go and make one for you and your son. Because the flour will always be available. And watch this. And the oil will never run out. Can you believe that? Again, God is providing for the preacher. God is providing for the woman in miraculous ways when they are going through a dry spot. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, Ben. But y'all allow me to use my spiritual imagination. You can't disprove it. I believe, watch this. That the brook, not the brook, but that the pot and the, 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 flower, the flower pot and the oil pot. I believe that every time she went to make something to eat, it was there. I don't believe it was full every day. Truth of the matter is, it don't matter. If it's full to the brim. Sometimes being full to the brim causes you to take it for granted. So it, isn't, it doesn't matter if it was full to the brim every day. I think it helps your faith better if what? Each day you used it, you were out. But every day you came back, it was there. Y'all to hit me here, right? Look here, look here. Every day you use it, it was enough for the day. And y'all say, well, Reverend, where are you coming from in that? Because I believe Jesus taught us. To pray, give us this day. I wish I had a praying church. Our daily bread. I, I, I wish I could help somebody to understand that your faith ought to be strong enough that you don't, that you don't need God to give you five houses. You don't need God to give you five cars. You don't need God to give you 20 pairs of shoes. You don't need God to keep your bank account. Watch this. What? With a great balance every day. You just need some money in the bank when you need some. You just need a house and a bed when you need to sleep. You just need some shoes for your feet when you need to put them on. I'm trying to tell you, friends, stop looking way ahead and live your life day by day. Daily depending upon God. Daily trusting in God. Daily believing that my God shall supply. All of my needs according to his riches. I'm done now. And yes, to the farm, I'm over my time. Friends, when the brook dries up, return to the place you were when you departed from it. Remember, that's what they said in the book of Revelation, right? Remember, return and repent. Acts put it this way. You need to repent so that days of refreshing shall come. Let us pray. Oh God our Father, 
We thank you for your word on today. For the reminder that God, you are the source of our life. Our strength is found in you. We confess that perhaps even in this crowd today, there are many of us who know what it means to be in a dry place in life. And our confession today is, Lord, restore the joy of thy salvation. My prayer for these, thy people, today, God, is you would help us to remember that we must worship the Lord our God and him only. We must serve you, God, with all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our soul. We don't want to be the reason that our brooks run dry. And then God help us if you are the instigator of a dried brook. Help us to understand that you always in divine providence are working something better out for us. So instead of panicking, pack your bags and move on to a new place of supply, a new place of refreshing. Because God, at the end of the day, no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstance or our situation, you're a God who is a God in all places and all spaces. And you can and will take care of your own. You proved it to us, Lord. When you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to come to a world and to die for the sins of humanity, you provided what we needed in Christ. In him we have the forgiveness of our sins. We're grateful not only for the fact that he died, but that he was buried. And then after three days, he got up out of the grave with all power in heaven and earth in his hand. And so, God, if there's anyone amongst us today who've yet to come to saving faith, I pray that they would accept you today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this pastor and his wife, the leadership of this church. Thank you for the ministry they provide. Thank you for the genuine fellowship and concern we feel as brothers together. Lord, we love you. We give you all honor and all glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, God bless you, friends. Amen. Amen.